trail that we just started with this last episode, back to basics, back to uh, really the philosophic basis for osteopathic medicine. Now, I'm going to use a We've term. We've also established a new background for where we're recording, if yeah, that wasn't yeah. clear. You have a mantle <laughs> and I have my desk in the background, as opposed to my, as opposed to my guest bedroom. Well, and we we might have to put up some green screens and uh, do some extra fun stuff in the background in the future. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, I'll leave that to you. Hey, hey, you know, we could throw some anime in the background. That would be amazing. Some maybe osteopathic anime. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I could almost imagine something. If somebody were to illustrate Wheel of Time, it would probably look like Shonen AF. So oh. who knows? Where is that, that was a really hard level of nerd to just start the episode. We should start over. Welcome to Rolling Bones. <laughs> <laughs> well, this next one oh. might refer to the Foundation series. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll quit with the okay. key count while we're at it. So we're, we're, going to, we're going to discuss a term that tends to cause um, some consternation in the osteopathic world. And if you talk to some osteopaths and you say the word holistic healthcare or holistic, what, what kind of response does that uh, sometimes cause? Yeah, it's a fun one. I will admit, um, so it, it is one of the words that I use quite often, which and I simultaneously hate and almost throw up a little bit every time I say the word. Which is unfortunate because um, back to Wheel of Time references, actually. We're, we're back mm-hmm. there. Anyway, the word's been tainted. Um, <laughs> this is a by the way, season five was dope. Oh, sorry, episode <laughs> five was dope. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen them yet, but anyway. I've read all, all of the books. So <laughs> it's, it's quite good. Basically, they gave up on trying to emulate the books. I'm considering good. this just another turning of the wheel because if I try to like condense the head cannon appropriately, my head will explode. But if I figure, you know what, it's a revolving cycle, um, birth, rebirth, it's a new rotation. I'm like, you know the what, wheel. I, I can incorporate all of the variation into maybe it's just a new wheel. Okay. The wheel go. turns as the wheel will. <laughs> basically. But <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I bring that up. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I bring that up, one, because I was just watching the episode with my wife. But two, um, the word holistic is a really powerful word when it's used effectively. Because it, yes. com- it, it encompasses so much of what we do um, in in a very, very small, succinct way. The issue is that word has become so many different things and it's been integrated and used in so many different ways that it's lost some of that power, right? Like holistic um, has now overtones of alternative medicine, kind of granola, um, wellness, exercise, yeah. fitness, um Doctors yeah. just doing their job, the standard of care, like all of that's been conflated, right? Like doing good medicine, yoga, and granola bars have somehow shared this one word. Meditation. Um, and I guess, exactly. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's not to say that reality, any of that's bad. No, I, let's face it. Osteopaths were doing the, the wholeness thing, the holistic thing before it was a thing. We just called it osteopathic principles, osteopathic medicine, rather than holistic stuff. And honestly, I think we use the term because in the public's mind, it's something that is 
relatable and understandable, even if it doesn't truly um, address what it's trying to describe, if that makes sense. Right. It does. It does. And I've met various osteopaths, various physicians, wellness coaches, everything in between who've held on to different aspects of the word. Like, for example, the part of holistic that that resonates with me very effectively is that vaguely anti-establishment kick that that the word has uh, come to take on. Like, Yeah, that's if, kind of what we do. Kind of. Let's be real. Like, AT still kind of rebelled against the system, made his own damn thing, went full on <laughs> punk rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> Practically speaking, but that, that, that's the part of yeah, that story yeah. that, that like connects with me. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, right. that's all right, what you were disappointed with the system. You know what I mean? You, you know how it works and you're like, screw this noise. Let's do something better. Um, let's, let's go. Where's my amplifier? Give me some <laughs> yeah. distortion. You know what I mean? Throw me, throw me some bass and then we give me a good riff. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> uh, for those who need the context, I'm, I'm 32. I grew up in the nineties. So it went from grunge. I was too young for grunge. And by the time I grew up, it was that really awkward phase of like ska punk ish. Oh uh, yeah. And there were some boy bands in there too. Well, see that—that's what I—that's what I punked out of, basically. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I went mm-hmm. from Backstreet Boys to. <laughs> Did you skip New Kids yeah, on the Block? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got, you remember LFO? Oh yeah, yeah. I I never really yeah. got into LFO, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I I had to by default because I was ten years old, man. Like it was just oh, every was kid a, had to know every word to the song. That was a requirement. Oddly enough, New Kids on the Block. <laughs> but. But 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 that's 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 what I'm getting at. The the part of the punk, oh sorry, the part of the holistic, uh, I guess phenomenon that I really grafted onto was the anti-establishment. I don't like the system. Let's find a way to do it better. Component, right? Mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm. I hang out with some legit hippie folk, and they're like, "You're a bit too intense for me, man." I'm like, "Okay, I'll I'll, I'll calm the mohawk down. Hold on. What what are you about?" <laughs> but it's still the same word. And it it has some differing connotations. You even see it in the spelling. So some folks spell it W-H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C. And other people take off the W and just call it holistic with a H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C. And that connotation can change the meaning of the word from the whole person to the holy person, if you will, that to add the spiritual aspect. Which is interesting because that played a role in what Dr. Still was doing as well, coming from the religious background of his childhood. So it, as much as we like to take the spiritual side and separate it from our professional side, it was a distinct uh, component to what Dr. Still was doing at the time. Right. I mean, that, that is one of our tenets, right? The whole mind, body, and spirit Mm-hmm. Um, not dichotomy, trifecta, triune, triumvirate, <laughs> yeah. phenomenon trinity. of three. Tr- trinity, trinity. We, we, could call it, we could call it a trinity. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the trinity, the triple threat, you get the idea. Basically, the mind, body, and spirit were considered um, not different phenomenon, and that, that's a big deal. It wasn't like, oh, we have a mind, we have a body, we have a spirit. It was, it was more reasonable to say that we had three, I guess, layers of perception, three filters, three modes of understanding to look at the same phenomenon, right? Like when I take care of a person, I have to shift between a um, 
a physical, mental, or spiritual filter, but that does not imply that these are distinct entities. It's more of which version of perception gets me to the answer that I'm looking for, right? And to to go along with that, how do you take care of all three, especially when you have a, a patient population that encompany, encompasses, excuse me, such a wide variety of experiences in all three aspects of life, right? And if you have two or three distinctly different religions, you have someone coming from Islam and you have someone coming from uh, Hindu and you have someone in your clinic coming from a Christian faith, how can you enable the clinic to make sure that aspect is taken care of and do it in a respectful way? Right. And for the record, for our listeners, that's not just lip service. Our our clinic, we have to deal with a lot of folks from various, various environments that that interaction can sum up a patient one, two, and three in a clinical day for us um, very, very consistently. Like it's not a weird thing for that to be a real part of the day. And each each experience can be completely different because I can tell you I've I've had experiences where I'm I'm giving advice – about exercise routines. And I'm a big fan of Tai Chi and I'm a big fan of yoga. And I have had patients look at me and say, I can't do those um, because of uh, religious reasons. And so you have to step back and say, okay, you can't do those. That's fine. That's that's part of your experience. You're part of your, your existence. So let's find a different way to get to you those same benefits that fits within your spiritual uh, uh, context. So it, it's no easy task. Yeah, no, it's, it's the, um, when I'm talking to the med students about it, I'm referring to it as a code switching, right? If you've encountered that term a lot, um, in the past, it's, there's this idea that the way you communicate with another person, um, this is a really packed term. Let, let me find a way to go. Let me find a good entry point into this one. Basically, the way you interact with another person will activate different parts of your respective personalities. And if you are conscious of that, you can leverage that into something effective, right? So for example, the way I talk to, let's pretend I got somebody who has uh, type two diabetes, Mm -hmm. uh, relatively advanced metabolic disease, not quite liver failure, but they have some liver. Yeah. You know Fatty liver, type two diabetes, yeah, yeah. no insulin, with hypertension, like a standard like player in our in our in our clinic, yeah. right? A daily occurrence, and, daily occurrence, exactly. And um, honestly, depending on where they sit in their socioeconomic environment, their spiritual, their honestly, their political environment, I might have to hit them a little bit of a different way. For example, the way I talk to a hunter about their about their metabolic disease is meaningfully different from how I talk to. Um, let's say a, a more corporate individual. It's not that the problem changes, but the the person I have to wake up, the 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 person I need to communicate with are not the same, right? Like uh there's there's this thing I do with a lot of my patients that I know well. Like I, I walk into the room and ask them like what's the mission today? And the ones who know me well enough, they like they resonate with that. Like, oh there's a mission. Okay. I I, I know okay, what that means. Your mission if you choose to accept it. <laughs> exactly. But then you end up with some patients where it's kind of like, like I'll speak like that and you'll see them t- be taken aback by that. Like, wait, what are you talking about? Like the the, the whole like uh, target ready, quick reaction behavior mm-hmm. scares mm-hmm. them. And I'm like, oh, got it. I need to be gentle. Uh, 
ma'am, sir, how may I help you today? Let's, Let's be real. It's the same damn thing coming out of me. Right, right. Just a, but a, at a very approach. Right. But at a higher level, right, that's that's code switching in the most generic form. Mm-hmm. The um the ability to code switch between that physical, mental, and spiritual filter is is a big deal, right? Because not everybody cares about their body, but they might care about their soul or their mind or uh, maybe the way they, the reason they care about their bodies because it's the vehicle for their soul, or you know, what I mean, there's there's a thousand ways this can play out, and it, it, they may be caring for someone else and putting it in terms of how caring for themselves will allow them to care, be a, a stronger, more reliable caregiver for that family or that friend or that community, it can make all the difference from whether or not they agree to participate in what you're offering, right. Because the thing that I call a mission sometimes, spoken in a more Christian context, somebody might call a vocation. Right. Uh, right, because that, that might be what that is. Um, a vocation or a calling, uh, any number of uh, adjectives that would fit within their, their own um, perception of what's reasonable. So... It's it's very important for us to understand this so that we can actually reach our patients in a meaningful interpersonal level. Uh, I I, right. I think that part of the difficulty we face, and we see this on um, social media uh, physician groups, how do you connect with patients in a five or ten minute meeting? Well... Number one, we try to schedule them for longer meetings, but uh, how do you reach a, a, a patient-centered type of uh, practice when you only have a few minutes? Well, this is part of how we do it in, in learning how to communicate on a, on a personal level rather than just a paternalistic. And, and let's face it, modern medicine comes from a paternalistic background. The, you go to the doctor. The doctor tells you what to do. You take the prescription home. You take the medicines dutifully like a good child. And then you go back. And if you don't do it, then then you get in trouble, right? Right. We call those patients non-compliant. If we do it enough times, we kick them out or we verbally flog them. Which right. for those parents who, you know, have kids, because parents, of course, have kids, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that methodology works really well, right? Like, yeah, I don't know how many times some version of shame on you slap slap has done good on your older kids. I don't know. Uh, it's um, yeah, it doesn't work for mine. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, look, my son is three years old, so he's not by any means an old kid, but at the same time, the, the shame on you only gets him so far. Like at some point I just got to explain to him what's going on. You know what I mean? I have to teach mm-hmm. him more than I have to command him. Um, which by the way, the best thing I've ever done to be a better clinician or, and a teacher because, you know, running joke, I'm a martial arts teacher. At this point, anybody who watches right. the show kind of knows that by now. It was actually yeah. having a kid. Because, um, yeah, you, when you have to teach a two-year-old how to be, you, you, your game has to get on point. Or yes. your kid just goes full-on Coco Melon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your kid gets yeah. out of there too quick. <laughs> like, whatever, Dad. I'm going to go and throw oh, something against the wall. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've, I've oh. never seen anything better at hyping my kid up than Coco Melon, Blippy, and Paw Patrol in tandem together. 
like you know full-on grandparents babysitting no rules and i'm like all right what's going on oh. and all of a sudden it's just a madhouse like a goddamn Good. madhouse <laughs> throw in some nintendo wii and that just brings it to a whole new level my friend I will admit I do play a lot of uh, Switch of uh, Nintendo, like the Switch with my son. But we made a clear rule that it only goes on the big screen. Like we will not use it as a handheld. Period. Oh, that's a very good idea. Very good idea. He also plays games that are kind of zen-like, like uh, like a lot of Breath of the Wild, where honestly the most exciting thing you can do is wander around for ten minutes, find a red <laughs> goblin, shoot it in the face, and go. All right, now what? You go find another <laughs> goblin ten minutes later. Like <laughs> it's it's kind of soothing actually, just because it's it's a lot of just roaming around nature. Which yeah, in COVID that, times made a lot of sense. I I've heard of that game. The we don't have that. We have Smash Brothers and some of those that uh, really send the kids really send them through the roof. Wait, wait, <laughs> as in the, the new one for the Switch? Uh, no, we have an old Wii. We're we're talking in two thousand eight Wii. Oh, got it, got it. Okay, so because oh, I'm not gonna oh. lie, I was this close. I was this close to buying it, but I'm like, I got to keep this the hell away from my kid, man. You they, do. Um, you really kids, do. Speaking from experience, yeah, yeah. I yeah. No one even had to tell me, man. I like as much as I love the game. I'm like, this is kitty crack. My um, <laughs> yeah. And with your my kid son, having absolute, skills, <laughs> he's learning how to fight better from the video games he's playing. By the way, like the kid was double stick feeding one of my students today. Oh, sorry, yesterday. He grabs two sticks and just roars like a beast and just starts swinging like Sinawali stuff at my guy. And I'm like, what are you doing, kid? He's like, I'm fighting like Sora. Context. His his jam right now, like his favorite thing is Kingdom Hearts, specifically Kingdom uh. Hearts 2. Like, uh, I'm not implying this is a good move, but if I need him to just shut up for a minute and I just like turn it on, put on Valor Mode, give him two Keyblades and let him go kill some Heartless, he'll be a pig in shit for like an hour. <laughs> Not implying you should do that or that I want to do that or even that I do, but I'm just like, you know, if I were to do that, it would work. So, you know, he spends like whatever amount of time playing Kingdom Hearts with me, smack a heart list, cry about Riku, whatever. And all of a sudden, like he's pulling out moves in my garage with a stick. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm Sora. He's like doing roof blocks and stuff. And I'm like, for all the times I taught you how to do that exact move, the anime boys. Ah, there we go. Okay. So. Apparently, uh, Guru Mike is going to have to come up with an anime channel for Bayani. I'm just saying. I think he's actually offloaded that to me because <laughs> that that is not that is not his speed, man. Like that that is not his world. Let's be we're real. Have it's to barely make, even my world. Well, we're going to have to make this happen because yeah, it, it would just be amazing. <laughs> yeah when when my when my med students find out I'm a reformed like otaku, they they go full like. Have you caught up with it? Have you have you watched it? I'm like, dudes, dudes. It's been since roughly 2008 for me. Slow down. The most recent thing I've watched was like Attack wrong. on Titan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, this uh, getting, had a point. I swear. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Um, getting back to being able to explain teaching, to a two year old. Teaching. teaching. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you can yes. explain it in terms that a two year old understands, you know, you understand it well enough yourself. And now translating it to patients is key because, uh, I mean, let's, let's be real here. We are talking to a patient about their health ecosystem. I like to call it, uh, I like to call it health ecosystem instead of just holistic health, because to me that okay. encompasses the entire environment and climate and uh, local situation in the, which a patient finds themselves. And if we can put it ter- in terms of the, their personal ecosystem, 
and package this so that they can implement it within their own ecosystem, I think is going to be a more effective way of providing care for that patient. That's nice. I might, I might actually keep that. I, I didn't know that's how you framed it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it's, I think it's on it, point with what we do, right? It, it is. It is. Because how do we really approach patients? We, we, we go into the room with them and we try to enter their home, if you will, in a, dis, a disconnected sort of way. They have entered our realm and we try to enter theirs. That's the whole purpose behind a, a good exam and a good a history taking is really to walk into the patient's home and find out what's going on there. Now, I love how you approach your metabolic syndrome patients in particular. Tell us about how your video visits go with these patients. Oh, got it. Yeah, that, that, that's always fun. So this assumes we have video access. Um, uh, number context, one, that's key. Ever since, yeah. yeah. So because I'm assuming someday, maybe in 2035 or something, somebody's going to watch this. Let, let me set the stage a little bit. Um, COVID happened. Um, hopefully we're not dead when you guys are watching this. Um, Ooh, but, that's, that's very apocalyptic. <laughs> look, man, when I, the first year that this happened, I couldn't watch certain shows. Cause I'm like, what if I don't make it? What anyway? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. 2019 COVID happens and a lot of the healthcare system had to change appropriately because we just couldn't, we didn't have the physical manpower to be everywhere. And we also mm-hmm. just had exposure issues, contagion issues to manage, right? And Absolutely. one of the things that emerged that honestly, I kind of really like about the situation was, look, a lot of the work we do is counseling based and conversational, right? Like not mm-hmm. everything I do needs a stethoscope. Um, and even my students, they get thrown off by it. I don't wear a stethoscope like or use one on the regular. In fact, I probably use my ultrasound more than my stethoscope in the past quarter. Um to be fair, I got an ultrasound and it's fun as hell, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> anyway, um, telehealth visits work. became the norm. Telehealth, as in like telephone or video conference or digital visits became the norm. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of docs honestly had trouble adapting to that because like how do I how do I listen to the heart over the – you don't have to listen to the damn heart. Stop it. There's other things you can do. They've like got enough what? for respiratory so, infection. You don't listen, you need to listen to their heart. Right. Can they hold their breath for five seconds? No, they're probably short of breath, man. You're okay. But one of the things that I really liked about that tool, um, which I'm not even going to lie, I picked this one up because I, so I, I was in a long distance relationship with my wife before she became my wife. And, you know, I grew up with the internet. So this all just made sense to me. I was like, wait, right. I'm in your house. Show me your kitchen. Yeah. Like, that's a legit move I'll play. Like that, that's a routine move now. It's like, okay, we're doing this metabolic thing. I, I taught you what to do. I gave you a list of foods that make sense, a list of foods that don't make sense. You know how much to eat. You know how to measure your food. We went through some math problems together, like count the carbs, subtract the fiber, do the math. Good for you. Solve for X. And the thing that really drove the point home from a, uh, I don't want to say compliance because that's the wrong word, but More from getting the them to buy into it, yeah, like the buy-in. actual buy-in phase. Absolutely. What, yeah. I, what, what, I, what I would do is after they do their training with me in the office, right? Like here's a bunch of math problems, solve for carbs. You know what I mean? Um, that is a, wow. Anyway, solve for carbs. Show me that you're proficient. <laughs> Not solve for X, this solve is for C, carbs. 
this is a this took like an hour with a patient over like one day like it was me our pharmacist and this patient just trying to like puzzle out like how to consistently account and calculate for carbohydrates in a variety of situations and you would think she'd get it and then all of a sudden i throw a new variable in like by the way this is a liquid and all of a sudden it all falls apart and i'm like god damn it anyway and this is why we get the buy-in this is why we yes. do math. Yeah, you <laughs> solve for X, so X can become whatever you need it to. X is going to give it to you. Anyway, um, you solve for carbs. They get proficient. I see them in their home, and then we do a walk around in their kitchen. Like, pull out some, pull out your uh, most common foods. Like, um, you mentioned you like, and they'll, they'll say something like, "Oh, doc, I eat a lot of um, insert whatever thing, like uh, whatever pasta, whatever bread thing." And like, I don't know if it's good enough for what I'm trying to do. I'm like, you know what? Let's find out together. Let's Let me see look. your cupboard. And they'll open the thing. I'll take a look at it. And they'll actually show me and re- they'll read the label to me. But as they're doing that, we're we're in it together. Like I'm seeing what they're seeing kind of like in a POV context. Yeah. And yeah. I get insight into their home in a way that they allow me to, right? Like show me your cupboard becomes that's how you shop. That's what you have in stock. Because sometimes I'll have a patient do that. And all I'll see is condiments and maybe... Okay, so I'm like Berea, like spaghetti noodles. And I'm like, there's nothing left. And I'm like, got it. We have a lot to do here. Yeah. Or um, yeah. a really good one, like a really nice one that, that, that stuck with me. I had a patient who thought he was doing like really good, like, like really thought he was on point with everything. Doc, I'm drinking diet soda, this and the other thing. I cut out all the carbs and blah, blah, blah. Why is this not working? And I'm like, just <laughs> let's do the thing. Let me see a kitchen man. And I find out that the diet drinks he's getting aren't actually diet. And he just didn't know how to tell the difference. Like they were, um, they were sport drinks. Oh, so yeah, yeah. The light, for him, light like, beverages. Right. And there's no shame in that. Like there's folks I know who will take protein shakes as a weight loss food. And I'm like, you're misinformed. <laughs> um, here, take this gain fuel and try to lose weight just it doesn't connect. So he no. thought he was taking diet drinks sincerely, but he was taking sports drinks because he figured sport drinks are athletic. Therefore you lose weight because they're sport drinks. And I'm like, I can see all of the assumptions that you would have had to make that would have made sense if you didn't know better. So good for you. Here's why it's not working, man. You're drinking Gatorade. Right. Um, and, and not only is it Gatorade, but it, it enhances both salt and sugar intake so it's it's doing the opposite of what he's thinking but right. you know in his defense these drinks are marketed towards athletes and they're shown during athletic events and they're shown drunk by people who are fit and cut and strong and and doing what he wants to become so it would make sense from the right. marketing standpoint that i should drink what they're drinking because look how good a shape they're in and maybe right. that and I should wear there. And I should wear Michael Jordan sneakers. Wait, I should wear Kobe Bryant sneakers because they'll make me jump better, which it doesn't because I'm five four, and I don't <laughs> right. play basketball. But <laughs> right. and and I can't shame him for making that um, that error because, like you said, the marketing throws it off. In fact, my wife actually, um, so she's in she's setting up for nursing school. She's doing her undergrad stuff. She had to take mm-hmm. a um, a writing course, like a like a like a it wasn't a scientific writing course, but like a, like a debate almost type of format. And she decided as her topic to explore uh, the claim that Cheerios is a health food because she's my <laughs> wife. And of course she'll pick that as a damn topic. 
because it's heart healthy according to the AHA and the little check mark on the box. Well, I found out that apparently the FDA called them out for basically marketing Cheerios like a pharmaceutical. Like, what do you mean this can lower your cholesterol in six weeks? That awfully sounds like a drug, sir, mm-hmm. General Mills. Do you so have any General research? Mills, yeah. So they offered up the research and then it was kind of like, none of this implies what you said is true. Please fix your damn claim. But <laughs> all this to say, because Cheerios was marketed so aggressively as a health food, a whole generation of adults genuinely believe that if they sling back a bunch of Cheerios boxes, they're going to protect their heart because the cholesterol mm-hmm. is bad or something like that. Right. Um, right. In fact, there, there's a patient who, honest to God, it took me, this is going to sound terrible without context. It took me three months to convince this guy to change his diet after seeing him all the damn time. And you would think like three months to convince a dude, what, what, why am I not closing faster? Right. Right. Um, like full on Alec Baldwin, you know what I mean? But what ended up happening was, one, the dude turns out he has dementia, which we found out over time. So that's a oh, big deal. Oh, yeah, that, that gets in the way for sure. Kind of tells you why he can't close on a deal. Two, um, we had to overcome all of his preconceived biases about food, plus the fact that he can't retain data at a fast rate, right? So not only was he demented, uh, sincerely, like the dude has dementia. Right. In the time – so keep in mind, when you have various levels of Alzheimer's, you don't lose everything all at once. You lose bits and features. Making new it, memories gets rough. Old memories stick. Yeah, his old ingrained memories was Cheerios are good for me. That's what my mama taught me, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I didn't say that to him, obviously, but I'm there, like son of a. Yeah, yeah. in the background, you're going, oh, yeah. Uh, when I when I finally convinced them that it was a problem, it looked like I shot his puppy, like it broke the dude's heart because he really thought he was doing himself right, like. Why am I getting so sick? I need more pills because obviously my body's just so broken because no matter what I do that's healthy, I keep getting sicker. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Gatorade, Cheerios, and apple pie. Who the hell taught you how to eat? And then Gatorade. Oh, God, man. But at the same time, if that's what he in his heart of hearts believed, I can't – he wasn't saying, Doc, I don't want to change. This is what I like. I'll die with it. He was saying, I thought this was good for me, sir. And that's a very different ask. And we have to, uh, you talked about code switching. It's almost like we are reprogramming understanding that, and it's an uphill battle because so many messages have been put out about so many products for so many years that reversing that trend has become one of the most difficult aspects of working within this health ecosystem that a patient brings to us. You know, we, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like someone comes in and their body is a Superfund site and we have to clean it up. What do you have to do to clean up a Superfund site? Well, sometimes you have to remove soil. Sometimes you have to take water out. Sometimes you have to bring in special cleaning agents. We're doing the same thing, except we're cleaning up Superfund sites, essentially. In some you know, mind. I'm very grateful that I read a bunch of farm farming books in the past year because that that sentence would have gone over my head about a year ago. Not gonna lie, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I feel you. It's um the um there's a really cool lay- series of analogies that I've been playing with in my head. Right. For example, um, once a when the med student is going to figure out what the hell kind of doctor they're going to be, right? 
um, yeah. there's a bit of a personality to the different specialties, right? Like it's like a um, if you're really into the chess game, the problem solving, the the fine mo- the fine control, like do this to affect that, check the lab, move on. You probably should be an internist. Like go go IM, have fun, maybe be a specialist. You're awesome, great. You're the smart guy. If you like um, getting paid and f- uh, fishing for money, you do colonoscopies. Um, <laughs> be a proceduralist. Basically, um, we call orthos ortho bros for a reason. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. This is mm-hmm. all in good humor, by the way. We love each other. And if anybody else insults us, I'll kill you. But you get the idea. <laughs> but it, it's one of those in-tribe things, right? Like we get to make fun of each yeah. other. That's but right. honestly, and, orthos and, can't. And, the next time and, and an orthopod we, tries we, to admit a patient because they have the sodium, man, I'm just going to flip. <laughs> <laughs> But at the same time, man, they're pretty damn good carpenters. Let's be yes, real. Yes, they are. They are. Like, they're I don't, I don't trust contractors. you with a hammer and chisel. Exactly. No. Like, give me a hammer, chisel, and a spine, and oh, no, it's a bad day. Um, no, we are, we're but, more the general contractor, and they're the, they're the carpenters coming in to do the work that's needed, right? There you go. But the reason I bring this up is um, the primary metaphor that a lot of um, very academic, very nerdy clinicians like to hold on to is like the chess master, right? Like I like the chess game of medicine as opposed to the ER doc who wants to play paintball, you know? Um, <laughs> and I had trouble finding out our metaphor. Yeah. Like, like finding the FM metaphor was rough. Cause I know we're kind of the hippies in the crew, right? But I also we- know that you and I for quite a while have been reading, like I, this is a couple minutes ago. We have been reading a lot of farming books, like agriculture literature to be better clinicians and you would think oh it's maybe it's like some musashi stuff like oh they'll learn farming in order to become better no 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 no. i mean this literally learning about farming for the sake of farming because farming (laughs) um because it does connect eventually but the idea was there's this general stanley mccrystal right i brought him up a couple different ways he's the team of teams guy right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he was talking about decentralized command and how he learned how to run an elite um, team. And the thing was, he prided himself as being the chess master for the longest time. And the biggest revelation he made as a professional to, you know, by the way, he did a damn good job doing his job was when he stopped being a chess player and decided to become a gardener instead. And then I'm like, well, that sounds kind of dope. And then I'm looking at what would that mean for folks like you and me? And I'm like, what if I stopped doing the chess game and just started gardening my humans and all of a sudden, I have like a list of patients I actively like tend to, like like the metaphor shifted, and the minute I stopped micromanaging and started, basically they, the minute they stopped becoming D and D paper doll spreadsheets and started becoming plants to grow, the the Changes behaviors, everything. the outcomes, the tone changed. Uh, and I paper think doll, I've by used- the way, is the name of the yeah. <laughs> and I think I've used this phrase with you before. You teach someone correct principles and let them govern themselves. And then you don't get right. you don't get caught up in the weeds of why is this uh, particular lab value not going where I want it to go, but it, it becomes a conversation of here's where your labs are today, here's how we get them to where they can go in the future. Would you like to walk this journey with me and let's let's do this together? That's a completely exactly. different mindset from the traditional uh, Western medical approach. It implies we're going to throw a ring into Mordor. Yes. My precious. 
<laughs> oh man. Uh, oh man. The, yeah. Now, now keep in mind the re- the reason this keeps coming up in different ways is the holistic game for me at least is a communication game, right? Like, uh, yes. There's no amount of granola that's going to change the fact that there's a medical problem. There's a medical problem, and as much as I train the martial arts and love to lift and all that type of stuff, there's no amount of deadlifting that'll protect me from COVID, right? Like, there's there is a need for the Western model. There's a need for the health and wellness mindset. There's the Eastern thing. There's the fitness thing. And then there's a spiritual like thing as such. And they all have to learn how to play nice together. But that implies communication between those men, between those filters, right? Right. They, they can coexist peacefully. And in, in reality, they must coexist peacefully if we are to develop a healthy populace. For the long term. Yeah. Right. Like as silly as it is, if I can take some of Joe Rogan and add that with some like medicine, I'm I'm good to go. Like yeah. I can have my sauna and get my vaccine too. Why not? <laughs> as a matter of fact, why don't we just give vaccines while sitting in saunas? I'm just saying. That 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 is closing in on, on Rogan turf, actually. <laughs> Or, or maybe one of those uh, uh, cool baths, you know, the uh, basically uh, a deep freezer filled with water. Yeah. Oh, the you mean the, that whole alternating ice cold thing, or just yeah, the yeah, straight yeah. Up cold submersion thing? A cold submersion thing. Can you imagine giving a, a a vaccination while submerged in the cold? You wouldn't even feel the shot. I mean, you. I say you won't feel the needle once you're like all shivery and whatnot. <laughs> there was a period where I used to try to do the cold shower thing on the regular. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it would be. I stopped because it just wasn't doing anything for me. Like I have, I have other ways to meditate at this point. Yeah. But yeah. I will say there was something nice about starting the day, crawling into the, into the shower. Like, God, I hate this. Why the hell am I just, and all of a sudden you're just like blasted in the face with like dive reflex inducing cold water. <laughs> <laughs> with my shower built as, as it is. I can turn it on for the first five minutes and it's a dive inducing cold shower. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just, I just, I have an inner monologue in my house, in, in my mind going full Charlton Heston. It's a madhouse. It's a madhouse while I'm like trying not to get sprayed by the monkey. I'm the monkey. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. That's a planet of the apes reference for those who are like younger than 30 years old. I apologize. Yes. And that was the statue of Liberty buried in the sand. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a spoiler if it's been 50 years, right? And it's not a spoiler if it's been 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, notice, and, and look, this is going to sound kind of silly and almost like a retroactive justification, but if you as the viewer are noticing the obscene concentration of nerd references going on, part of that is because I'm sleep deprived. Part of he that is, is because... He is a father of young twins and a toddler. So sleep deprivation comes standard with that package. True. We were trying to record this episode for the past month, and I've had to reschedule every time because every time my kids get better, they get sick again. I thought I'd be in the clear. By the way, we uh, we need to like pay my wife somehow. My <laughs> daughter vomited four times since, like, oh, since saying, no. hey, my kids are better oh. and getting home. Yeah. yeah. Like today, like I saw you in the office today, right? And I was like, yo, yeah, we're good. Let's make this happen. Between like not even 10 minutes after I tell you that, I got a text like, yo, it's a puke fest at home. And I'm like, you got to be kidding oh. me. 
You know, we got to take her to the axe throwing. We got to. Yeah. Oh, man. It's online now, so that has to happen, right? Yeah. But Jen, if you're watching, the, the, axe throwing is going to be in the works. I, I, I promise you. There you go. The reason I bring up and call to attention this almost like meta perception of how nerdy this conversation is getting. A lot of the holistic game involved a lot of being in this is going to sound new age and hokey as shit. I apologize. Kind of true to yourself. Like I cannot bullshit my way into communicating well with my patients, right? Like if right. I don't like we talk about code switching, right? If I don't have the way to link up with them emotionally, I can't do it. And there's no shame in that. In fact, I'll refer no. them to a different member of the team to do it for me. Cause there are certain personas I get it. I don't get it. Like I can't, re- I can't connect with them and I might and, have the right move, but if they hear it from me, it's going to go bad. Well, and you know, that's just going back to that whole health ecosystem. If, if you cannot connect to that particular ecosystem, you find someone who can, and that is, the, that is the, the ultimate, uh, uh, holistic approach to a, a, a patient. When you, when you realize that, you might not be able to do what they need, but you can you can hook them up with someone who can. That is every bit as appropriate as trying to slog through yourself and hope right. that something sticks if you throw enough stuff at them. Yeah. And hope that Which they don't. Which I'll admit was a, was a, yeah. I'll admit that was a rough change for me actually, because from from an ego standpoint, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty decent at what I do. So, getting into a position where I'm kind of like wait, what do you mean I can't do this? Does not sit well with me. At the same time, um, it's not about me, right? Formally speaking, it's literally not about me. I'm just the guy trying to facilitate data to a patient so they can do the work. Something about channeling, something about tainted, whatever. Anyway, having that person, having that patient transition to a different doc who can connect with them Uh or finding a way to leverage my other members of the team, my residents, my students, to bridge the social, the bonding feature for me when I can't is part of the holistic work, right? Because um, it absolutely is. Yeah. It was it. Nobody cares how much I know, right? It's about okay. how much my patient knows. Um, but that implies a level of holisticness, right? Like it's like you function more like an educator than a clinician until you have the right to be a clinician and then you can do clinical things, right? Mm -hmm. After the patient's Mm -hmm. bought in, now I can begin to like do the authoritarian parental thing. Like they've already invested, they've let me in, you know what I mean? And once you've built that connection, that relationship, then and only then can you move forward to work together to achieve the health outcomes that in reality you both want. I mean, ultimately this is, finding out what the patient wants and aligning your goals so that you're both aiming at the same target. Because until you're aiming at the same target, you're not going to hit the same target, right? That sounds like a lot of Chris Voss kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it's right right on target, right? Stay on target. Stay on target. Honestly, something about never splitting the difference. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it sounds it sounds like we've been reading some of the same literature. <laughs> it's like we have a shared library or something. But one of the really good challenges to this specific episode is something like, what the hell does this have to do with being osteopathic? Because 
I mean, look, it makes sense to you and I, because this is our work, but at the same time, you and I could be full of ourselves. We could be. Um, and we probably are. To like that's extent. a real bias to, to watch out for. I mean, yeah. we also have a podcast where we just shoot the shit for an hour to each other about this. So we have to be a little full of ourselves. Right. But one of the things to make explicit is what makes this osteopathic? Because mm-hmm. there's a reason we're talking about this episode this way on this show, not in some other format, right? Like we could have easily called this the what is communication episode on some random how to talk good show. But Absolutely. Um, Right. But we wanted it here because it was on point, on mission, et cetera, et cetera, for what we do. Can you help explain, make it explicit? What what about this hits that osteopathic concept so so directly? Well, when we talk about osteopathic medicine, what does that truly mean, right? We've got our tenets. Uh, the body is a, a unit. It has self-healing properties and so on and so forth. We have the osteopathic uh, approach to look at a patient, not just for what illness is causing them pain or dysfunction, but we were taught to say, to zoom back, as we've said in the past, zoom back to to 50,000 feet or 100,000 feet and say, now, wait a second. Our patient is suffering from some illness, but what's what's the original cause? What's the proximate cause? So, uh, you know, if, if we have a diabetic patient, what's the proximate cause? Well, their blood sugar is not in, in control, but this zoom out to the original cause. Well, it, within their health ecosystem, they're in a food uh, desert, you know, food desert where they don't have access to good quality foods. So they're eating lots of foods that are highly processed and, with their genetic components of uh, predisposition for metabolic syndrome, they are fanning the flames of metabolic dysfunction. So from an osteopathic standpoint, we, we take that view and say, okay, what do we do to change their environment? And could that mean we need to do some osteopathic manipulation to potentially work with their parasympathetic or sympathetic nervous system? Sure, maybe, maybe not. Do we need to know what's in their pantry so that we can help guide them to a better health, uh, a better diet choice? Sure, absolutely. Do we need to know what kind of work they do so we can understand where they can exercise and when they can exercise and should they be, what exercise should they be doing to make sure that their work is optimized. Absolutely. And so it stems from these basic tenets of osteopathic uh, medicine that it, that uh, teach us to frame the way we approach patients in such a way that we don't just focus on a particular disease. So each disease has its proximate causes. So with diabetes, for example, we have um, elevated uh, insulin because blood sugars are not under control and, and other things. But a more uh, broad cause would be a patient is living in a quote-unquote food desert, meaning they don't have access to highly high-quality foods, that, that these highly processed foods uh, that they do consume um, activate those genetic uh, switches that they inherited from their parents to stay on essentially. 
and uh, these these genetic uh, triggers then cause the, the metabolism to go wacky and blood sugars go wild and insulin through the roof and then the body stops listening to insulin. So we don't, we don't just look at, oh, well, his hemoglobin A1C is 9.5. We look at uh, his entire environment in which he's, he or she is living and say, wait a second, look at all of this stuff that's in boxes and bags and what's in that that's causing this. And what if we take these things out of their environment can we reverse these switches and turn them off again? And we're finding out, yes, we can do that if, and this is a big if, we, we address the environmental factors that are causing those switches to be turned on in the first place. And that's a very osteopathic approach because we are more than just, more than just looking at a, a patient coming in and saying, oh, yeah, your blood sugars are high. You got diabetes. Let's just get these blood sugars down. Um, yeah, man. For all the insulin that people get put on for, prematurely. Yes. Um, there is a time for insulin, for the record. Like, I, I am not anti-Lantus, you know what I mean? <laughs> anti-Lantus. at the same time, I mean, there's a time and a place, right? Like, give me somebody in DKA in a hospital, right? And I'm not going to talk about fasting in that environment, man. It's all about no, like the no. insulin. Let's get them sugars down. Let's throw some potassium at this. Let's have some fun. But at the same time, right tool for the right job, right? Um, one of the challenges I can imagine to this idea is, but aren't you guys the back cracking docs? I thought I was seeing a chiropractor. To be perfectly fair, I say this because one of my patients, when he met me, was extremely confused at what he what he paid for because um, mm -hmm. he came in for his back pain and I told him he has hydronephrosis and a kidney stone. This was a real conversation I had. And I was like, he was like, wait, well, what's happening right now? I'm like, you have a stone in your kidney and you're pee in this cup, please. There is blood in the... So he's asking <laughs> me to crack his back and I'm like... Uh, there's a blood. Frank blood, Frank <laughs> blood. <laughs> Like yeah. I grab the ultrasound and I slap it onto his kidney and it's like, here is hydronephrosis with a urethral. Just, you have a stone, man. Why can't you crack my back? Because you have a stone, man. It's not going to make any difference. I, I had a, I got a bad review from a patient once who says, I thought I was going in for a massage and I was like, no, <laughs> you're not coming in for a massage. You're coming right. in for And to be fair, that... <laughs> right, and to be fair, that's a branding issue on our side. Like, let's yeah. be real. The word osteopathic does not imply holistic, right? Like once upon a time, um, so let, let's turn the clock real far back. Like let's get away from the modern era. Let's go back old school. You know what I mean? Um, this was not designed to be a musculoskeletal skill set, right? It became that obviously because it's the most natural application. Mm -hmm. But once upon a time, this was for infectious disease. Like the first genuine application of osteopathic Tech, the things that became osteopathic medicine outside of like lightning bone setting or whatever was asthma. Like on record, it was asthma. And then it was pneumonia and diphtheria. And like we, we were respiratory docs before we became MSK guys. Um, right. And then right. thank God antibiotics happened. And it was like, what the hell do you do with our hands now? And it turns out yeah. when you make people's lungs move good, they, their back don't hurt so much. So there's a very natural evolution to becoming 
the thing parallel to chiropractic, but it has to be understood that that's not what we are formally. But at the same time, you kind of need a word other than fixy good with hand parts. So (laughs) when AT still was put to the question, (laughs) that's another reference. I didn't mean that one, man. I'm watching a lot of Wheel of Time, man. Oh, anyway, are are you Dr. Rand? Is that, is that what the deal is? God, no, I'm not even going to indulge that question because spoilers (laughs) for my wife. So shut up. Um, (laughs) Shutting up. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Look, they're only covering book one, man. Anyway. So, um, Mm -hmm. when, when pressure was put to ACD still to, to name the thing he was doing, cause it was just like, what do you do, sir? I make people good with her, with my hand parts. What do you mean? That rib don't do good. I move rib and all of a sudden, breathy, breathy, good, infection gone. We need words, man. And then eventually osteopathic became like, just use it, screw it, make it something. I don't care, whatever. I and know, it it's stuck, not anything which is better. great. Yeah. Yeah. Because, hey, branding matters. But at the same time, we got the branding wrong really early. Um, yeah. Once it's shame stuck, on us, I guess. Well, once it's stuck, it's stuck and there was no going back. Yeah. You can consider this our direct approach to, to that lesion, but- what ended up happening was because we are by name designed to sound like the, the bone docs, the MSK docs, it's hard to understand that the osteopathic thing, the, really the idea was that osteopathic wasn't about fixing bones. It was understanding pathology via the bones, as in seeing pathology through the soma, as in looking mm-hmm. at the body via an architectural engineering overlay versus a strictly biochemical one. Um Properly speaking, it would be better just to call us, I guess, mecha- body biomechanical engineers. But that's a, that's a word now. That means something else, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that, if that they word. didn't claim it first, if they we, didn't we claim it, I would say we're right. Yeah, they're squatting on our on our IP. <laughs> yeah, because let's be real. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, when I'm working with my patients, I'm shifting like code switching. Right, I'm shifting to a mechanical like metaphor. Because most mm-hmm. patients can't chemistry worth a damn, but everybody knows what a car is. And right. if I talk about engines and fuel, right? And nobody knows the word tachometer, but I talk about the thing that goes into the red line. They're like, oh, I understand red line. I'm like, good. That thing. <laughs> and now they know it's a tachometer. <laughs> exactly. Please don't please don't live in the red. Please. Yeah, don't burn what do your you mean? But the idea is... Um, the idea was that the osteopathic thing was designed to look at pathology from a mechanical overlay because it was necessary when it was missing but the idea wasn't like it's not like we were religiously attached to the mechanical overlay it was that and this is the punk rock version of medicine that comes out of me sometimes the system was not working so we had to do better right like all we had was chicken guts quicksilver (laughs) um leeches we had leeches and strychnine shit oh yeah man and quinine I'm trying to think of some other good ones. Like, what are some yeah. of the big, like, yeah, good old faithful said. treatments? Yeah, yeah. Uh, bloodletting. We had bloodletting. Blood yeah. And, yeah. And, so, and truth be told, we really didn't know why stuff worked. We just know that it did. And we, right. we, we didn't have either the technology to evaluate it or the descriptive uh, terminology to explain what we were doing. We just. Right. Hey, look, we did something, it got better, so something was working. Whatever that was, we have no idea. We were two steps above voodoo, man. Like, American medicine was kind of dark ages. 
it, but it was. at the same time, you know what I mean? It's the reason that the osteopathic thing and all the other alternative medicines, the chiropractic thing, the magnetism thing, the hydrotherapy thing, all that stuff, mm-hmm. the reason there was that proliferation in the 19th century was because everybody knew the American system at the time was busted. So collectively, mm-hmm. everybody tried to find a better way. Flexner happened and all of a sudden everything consolidates, which is, you know, its own conversation. And we're in this weird second version of the same phenomenon. We know the American system isn't quite working. So we're doing the old thing again and trying to find a better way, right? Now the old Um, things become new. Right. And something about the wheel. The wheel turns as the wheel does. Basically. Can we call this the third age? (laughs) <laughs> or is this the second age i don't know oh i don't know i know we're yet. nowhere near age of legends man but not not there yet not there yet Le- legends in our yeah. own mind right yeah remember back in the beginning of season two we haven't we were just beginning to make these references like uh-huh. haphazardly and all of a sudden this became the primary filter we haven't mentioned disney yet not yet let's get down to business no there you go <laughs> But obligatory um, Disney reference. In, in all seriousness, the reason I'm I'm bringing up the why this matters in osteopathic context is honestly a recommendation from one of our colleagues. Uh, she mentioned she gets why this is osteopathic because she drank the Kool Aid with us a long damn time ago. But for Joe Schmo listener, for the med student, for the health curious viewer who's listening to this and like, what is osteopathic medicine? I mean, look, if they made it to season three of the show, I'm assuming they're bought in already. But at the same time, if they're a new listener first episode, it's not intuitive what the hell we're talking about. Like, One of the big things to to comment on is what you and I are talking about, we we act like it should be the standard of care or like we we act as if we expect this to be the standard. We would love it. But it's because we hold ourselves to it. And unfortunately, it is not the standard. Um. And that's not to say that not doing this equals bad medicine. It's the other way of doing it. It's um, it's a lot more rote. It's a lot more prescriptive. It's a lot more command and control, which has its place, right? There's a time Absolutely. to take charge, right? Absolutely. Like, give me. This is gonna be a word for my. Oh, should we teach the non-medicals about neck fash? <laughs> yeah, let's do. <laughs> All right, screw it. Um, once upon uh, no, um, there is a version of a skin infection that isn't the skin infection. There's this thing that osteopaths love to talk about called fascia, and it's this really beautiful, super connected highway of tissue, like your head bones connected to your heel bone and everything in between, and it's all good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there's a, this actual technical highway connecting literally from here, like this thing right here, up through here, using the video feature to its fullest, right, all the way down to my foot. And what <laughs> ends up happens is. That highway actually matters because sometimes that highway gets infected. Yeah, and it's not. It's and when not that super, tight. yeah, when that super highway gets infected, that thing that looked like a little skin infection travels from its local site all over the body in rapid order. The kill window for that thing is eight hours. I think I believe I was taught by my orthopods. Yeah, um, it's an eight-hour kill window from infection to death, which means by the time you get what seen, admitted, evaluated, looked at. Oh shit! Consulted ortho. It's the right time to cut you open. Like we're yep. we're not talking about holistic medicine anymore. It's shut up. We need to sedate you and save your damn leg. Yeah. If not but, your entire life. Exactly. So it's not to discredit the other model. It's knowing which version to be. And because you and I are primary care docs, because you and I live in that gardening turf, right? Mm-hmm. Like you and I are gardeners in medicine. 
playing in an environment where the game is the garden. If we were to use this mindset, right, God forbid we're playing high stakes neurosurgery. <laughs> this is not the time for this conversation. No, yeah, no, there is a time and place for every aspect of the medical practice. And this is not, this is not for the OR. Yeah. Can you imagine if the trauma surge waxed poetical about why spinal cord trauma needs to go down in the middle of a case? Like that's just, oh. no, I mean, I, they're allowed to think that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'll, I'll let them just listen to their music and go, go ahead and sing while they cut. Exactly. Because again, the, that we need that other brain too. And that, that's part mm -hmm. of why this game is so important. It's, this is not meant to discredit, override or whatever that it's meant to encompass it. Like if we do this job right, there's a time to be command and control. There's a time to be a hard parent, right? Like, I love you, son. Here's the lesson versus get the hell out of the road. Yeah. Are both very valid parenting strategies. It's all inclusive. It does not have to be, uh, it does not have to leave anything out. Right. And I, I guess that's the big thing I want to drive home. It's when we play with those tenets, specifically that the body's capable of self-regulation, right? That to treat the body as a whole mind, body, and spirit. Um, in practice, that means knowing how to switch filters, right? And knowing how to switch languages and priorities. But when we play that gardening game, right? If we're playing the wholeness, the holistic, the, the recovery game, if we act like a surgeon, rather, if we act like a chess master, when we're supposed to be gardening, you don't exactly garden good. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we have to know when it's time to call in the specialist. And uh, as much as we celebrate the tenets, there they are tenets because there are times where a body is not living according to those tenets or not existing according to those tenets because of dysfunction, whatever it may be. And it is our responsibility to recognize that and say, okay, you know, I love the metabolic reversal stuff, but there's some other there's some other folks that need to be involved with your care and we're more than happy to send our patients off to the people who are best suited for caring for them at that moment exactly i had a guy who um his back pain he was a long-standing guy like, like like one of the orbital patients right like yeah yeah maintenance guys as long as you keep working on him at this interval he can keep doing his job kind of guys mm -hmm. And one day he comes in like, Doc, this is different. And I'm like, hell yeah, it's different. What the what the hell's going on? And uh, I do my examination and the dude has upper motor neuron lesions. The dude can't walk. He's telling me he pissed himself. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that's, that's... this is real. This is real. This is not this is not a drill. Hey, med student, do your job. Um, stay with this guy real quick while I go make some phone calls. Um, but he got like he was genuinely upset at me. Like the, the patient was angry, like angry, angry. Almost he wanted to report me up the chain of command to like the to the president of the university or whatever because I wouldn't like crack his back. Um, but again, time to be paternalistic, time to be a friend, time to be a teacher. I gave him about as much space to understand. Hey, look, man, this is a different kind of game today. Because can you imagine if I decided to just try conservative in the middle of a kata? type of situation uh, no please don't <laughs> exactly. yeah right right for those who don't know what i just described this is a board question for my med students and for those who don't know medicine now you know um if you can't feel your genitalia if you piss yourself or poop yourself and or if your legs go weak right in the context of back pain 
that tends to mean that one of the structures in your spine is severely at risk. And I don't mean at risk like, oh, there's a chance bad things are happening. That's almost like a euphemism. You're in danger. You're like the part is there. dying on you. Yeah, you're already so, in danger. Right. It's a neurosurgical emergency. And the guy wanted basically conservative physical medicine modalities, you know, work the back, massage the muscles, et cetera, et cetera, for his routine care. But I'm like, you are literally paralyzed. Like we wheelchaired him out of the building that day. You know what I mean? Like he, it was a whole mess, but that was not the time to run the holistic game. It was, dude, if we don't cut you in the next 48 hours, you're going to lose something. Yeah. So potentially, unfortunately, something. Yeah. I I had to shortchange my teacher persona because it wasn't the time or place after he was angry at me, after he let off his steam. And as we got things rolling along, I got to call him and explain what's going on in a bit more detail because the dude was just so hot about it. But Notice that the osteopathic, the holistic, the proper thing to do wasn't to be a gardener that time. No. It was to just, hey, look, man, I'm the doc for a reason today. I got to pull rank. And we got to go. Sometimes you got to pull rank. Yeah. You know, we we work in the uh, osteopathic manipulative, really a, a neuromusculoskeletal clinic is, is the clinics we work in. And I tell students all the time that the osteopathic manipulation that we do is only one of the modalities we have. Our real responsibility is to determine what modalities are appropriate and do something about it when modalities that we have at our, at our disposal are not appropriate. At what point do we say, no, we need to do something different and this is not the place for you. We have to be willing and able to say, put our foot down and say, no, this is not safe. This is not appropriate. We're going to get you to the right level of care. And we're going to do that right away. There you go. This feels like a natural one. It feels like a natural place. You can see that we feel strongly about uh, all aspects uh, of uh, healthcare as, as they're encompassed by what we do. And that, that's what makes osteopathic physicians so uh, unique in, in many ways. And it's not to say that our colleagues don't do this. Many of our colleagues are doing this now. But I, I love the fact that uh, the osteopathic world really um, pioneered much of this early on. But uh, it's part of our culture. It's, it's part of our culture. It's part of who we are. And that's how we work problems. That's how we find problems, fix problems, and uh, help you get healthy again. And uh, hey, welcome back for uh, a third season again. We're glad to have you. And if you're new to the show, we're glad to have you with us. Look for us more on YouTube as well as uh, as our regular podcasting sources. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye.